For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it happened, guys. I have officially now forgotten how many weeks we've gone into the offseason. I think this is the seventh, and I could do the thing that I did last offseason, and I think I may have done the offseason before. Count it out. One, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, yeah. Should probably do that before I go on air, but there's there's a certain tradition element to it, I think, happening now. So uh, you guys are just going to be stuck with it. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. As promised, we will be uh, trying to catch up a team on Sports Ethos, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the team du jour. We're also talking a little bit about the playoffs because the Celtics did indeed keep that series going with a win on their home court. And it went under as we continue to see. And in fact, let's just start with that. Oh, I'm Dan Vespers. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. You guys know all that. You guys know all that nonsense by now, so we can just jump right on through that. At some point during the show, I will be hitting you with a Manscaped promo, so gird your loins quite literally for that one. But not right out of the shoot. Right out of the shoot, I want to talk Celtics heat. So um, there's actually value uh, on Miami as a series play now, which seems kind of insane given that they were up... Three games to none not that long ago, but the Heat are now only a minus 145 favorite to still win the series. When we're talking about, again, a team has never in the history of the NBA come back from a 3-0 deficit in the conference finals. I don't think they've doing it, done it at any uh, any level of the playoffs. And I get it. Everybody, the, the narrative right now is very strongly Boston's figured him out. Uh, Miami doesn't have the firepower, which I might agree with that one. Gabe Vincent being out is, has indeed hurt them a bit. And Boston's getting hot. Jason Tatum's gotten warm. Marcus Smart, super hot in the last ballgame. Derek White hits six three-pointers. The three-pointers are dropping for the Celtics. And basically, the team that hits more three-pointers in these playoffs has generally been the one that wins it. But it is pretty amazing to think that the odds now to break history are that low. So Miami at minus 145 on the series price is kind of interesting here, uh, especially when you consider the fact that this next ball game uh, tomorrow, that's on Saturday, is in Miami. And Boston is a three-point road favorite. Everybody loves Boston. Everybody, everybody, everybody loves Boston. I continue to like the under in these series. They... Uh, they slow down as you go. 
Under just keeps hitting in this one. It just keeps tricking, trickling farther and farther down. Teams actually shot the ball well in that last ball game, and it still went under because the pace has now dropped so precipitously. Team shot 51 and 50. Yeah, I mean, they both shot 51% in the ball game, and it still went under. So just imagine what the game might look like at this pace if they're missing all of their shots. So my favorite bet for Saturday for the weekend is probably the under in that contest. Um, but also the series price is kind of notable. Because I don't think it's this give Like, people are talking about this series like it's a given now that Boston is going to come back and win after trailing three games to none. I get it. They are... They look now look better, but can we have we completely forgotten what Miami did the first three games of this series? And basically the entire postseason to this point? I can't. And if Boston does eliminate that deficit, I mean more power to them, but there is certainly something to be said for uh getting a pretty cheap favorite price on a team that now just has to avoid losing four games in a row. Do we really think Boston doesn't have one little minor baby-sized meltdown in them left? I don't know. To their credit, they are 4-0 and when facing elimination in these playoffs. So that's something. Anyway. Playoffs? That's all we talk about on this show. You talk about playoffs? I love them. I'm having a damn blast here with these, these playoffs. I do wish that... You know, thankfully, Miami-Boston continues to go here, and we're not looking at a full week without basketball. And the longer this thing goes, the shorter the layoff will be. But obviously, that Western Conference series ended a long time ago. And so we've got all this time now where the, you know, the Lakers' postmortems are already rolling in and out there. Anyway, playoffs are here, and our buddies at Manscaped are as well. They're making sure that your body whoever you may be, is as kissable as the Stanley Cup, as holdable as the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Don't let this time of the year pass you by. I still think that Father's Day is the best damn reason for this. Remember, our promo code is ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping. They have a brand new beard hedger. That's really cool. They sent me one. I'm super excited. It just came in the mail yesterday, so I haven't opened it up and charged it up and used it yet, and I actually just trimmed my beard with a different Manscaped product last week, so I don't need to do it yet. But I am really excited to try out the Beard Hedger Pro. That's really cool. That was like the one thing that Manscaped was missing, which was something that had multiple settings for beard length. There was like the 3mm, the 12, or the 3, the 6, the 12, 15, or something like that. Like, there just weren't that many settings for beard trimming, so you kind of... Either I had to go shorter than you wanted or a little bit longer. Now they got a beard trimmer, man. We're good. I can keep my face looking well-groomed without having to do the like, oh, I went too short, and now I get to wait a long time before I do it again thing, which it sometimes does work for me because I have a lot of time to kill, uh, but that's a pretty damn cool thing. You can get for someone for Father's Day if you know that they are fans of growing their own facial hair. Again, that promo code is ethos 20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Check out the new Beard Hedger Pro and the Sweet Sweet Lawnmower 4.0. That's their flagship trimmer. You can also just get a package deal. Performance package comes with 
uh, travel bag and a, the weed whacker. That's the ear and nose hair trimmer. Comes with all sorts of other cool stuff. But seriously, go check out the new Beard Hedger. It's awesome. I can't wait to use it. Uh, and a perfect Father's Day gift over with our buddies at manscaped.com. Well, let's talk today about the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's the main topic of today's show. We covered the playoffs. There's just the one game tomorrow. The Thunder were intriguing this year because, number one, they overachieved in a huge way. Number two, they played their guys most of the season, if healthy. Shea Gilgis-Alexander played, what was the final total? 69, 68, 69 ball games. Let's make sure I get this without the play-in games involved. Sometimes they get lumped together. 68 he was the number three player in all of fantasy sports, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But I thought, I thought that the bigger story with the Thunder was that they didn't tank. They were, and I want to make sure we don't do the revisionist history thing. They were very much a tank risk coming into this season, especially once Chet Holmgren had to get shut down for the year before the season even began. There was, and seemingly, a very easy and easy-to-discern path for them to tank one more season, get a high draft pick, get somebody cool. Chet comes back. It's almost like you get two high draft picks at the same time. Shea is on this nice deal, or I should say nice for him, I guess. Uh, and then pretty almost everybody else on the team is on like a rookie deal, except for like Lou Dort, pretty much. So you got Shea on this hot, big money deal, uh, and then everybody else is a cheap contract. So the Thunder were in great shape to potentially tank this season away. But then Shea came out, and he was so ever-loving good that they said, you know what, screw it. Let's just see if our team can win a few ball games, and we'll roll from there. And lo and behold, they did. The Thunder made the play-in tournament, partially because the Mavs pulled the plug on it, but also, look, they won 40 games. They went way over the posted total. Yeah, they were the 10th seed. Yeah, I mean, you know. This sort of squeaked in, but this was still way better than anybody ever expected out of them. And you can put a lot of that on Shea, obviously. Shea Gilgis-Alexander averaged 31.5 points this year, five boards, five and a half assists, 1.6 steals, a block on 51% shooting from the field, 90.5% shooting at the free throw line, which, by the way, is a number that came down over the course of the year. He still had one of the most important positive impact free throw shooting seasons in the last decade that's including some of the big James Harden years Jimmy Butler years but it is worth pointing out that early in the season he shot the free throw at uh, an obscenely high clip and then later in the season he kind of settled back to just a pretty damn high clip it's not a huge deal. It was like early in the season, he was at like 93%, and then he settled back towards 90-91. Still outstanding, but again, let's remember, guys, on super high volume, they just they just don't shoot like 93%. It just doesn't happen. Something to keep in the back of your head should this situation ever arise again. But Shea is not the only story from this team because he's going to get drafted super-duper high next year, and for good reason— um, he'll go, he'll be a first rounder because the Thunder pretty safely, I think we can say are going to be competing next year with, uh, presumably a healthy Chad Holmgren, almost everybody else that was relevant on this roster still there season over season who, who like they're almost nobody of any note came off the roster for this team. 
So it's all about growth. Can they grow over their 40-win season? Do they kind of plateau a little bit as other teams now have a better feel for what they are trying to do on a game-to-game basis? There's all that stuff to weigh in, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter if you think that team wins more or fewer games next season. What matters is whether or not you think they're going to compete. And I feel like the answer to that is a pretty resounding and pretty straightforward yes. They competed this year, so there's kind of no reason for them to pull the plug on competing next season. Where is Shea going to get drafted next year? Probably middle of the first round would be my guess. I know he was number three this year on a per-game basis. He was also number three, I believe, by totals this year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. But you'll probably see guys with a slightly bigger name go ahead of him. And that's fine. That's all well and good. But really, I don't, I don't actually think that Shea is the story going forward for the Thunder. He was definitely a big story for this year. The story going forward is what do we do with some of these other players? Namely, what do we do with Chad Holmgren when he now comes back? What do we do with Jalen Williams? Jalen Williams, the one who had a terrific fantasy year, finished at number 74 on a per-game basis, played 75 games out of 82 this regular season. And what do we do with Josh Giddy? Now, you're likely not going to go beyond those four names. Because every year someone tries to talk you into Lou Dort. Don't do it. Don't even bother listening. There might be other guys that pop in for value for two, three ball games, but it just doesn't stick. So you're really just looking at a core four for the Thunder, barring a pretty large personnel change. And that, by the way, includes Alexei Pokushevsky, because I don't know that he necessarily has an easy path to minutes, especially, again, When you figure Shea, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddey, and then Chet are going to be guys that are pretty much locked in, along, one would assume, with Lou Dort. That's your starting five. So, a Poku off the bench. I know he has an interesting fantasy stat set. He really does. He had, you know, 1.9 defensive stats in 20 and a half minutes per ballgame this year. We can all sort of say in our minds, what if that number gets to 26, 27 minutes a game? I just don't think that there's enough of a guarantee that that's going to happen. So what do you do with a guy like Jalen Williams? Can he get better season over season? The answer, honestly, is I don't know. You know, he had 
by all accounts, one of the most efficient versions of himself that he could have been this year. 1.9 defensive stats, a three-pointer, 52% shooting from the field, 81 from the free throw line. It does kind of feel like the field goal percent could come back down a little bit. Like, I don't know that there's a guarantee here that Jalen Williams' numbers dramatically improve season over season. So if he becomes one of those guys where everybody's like, oh, he's going to take another big step forward next year and starts getting drafted in the 50s and 60s instead of where he ended up, which was in the 70s, uh, well, let me throw a corollary on that because, remember, he didn't, he wasn't a full-time starter at the beginning of the year. So instead, you know, maybe look at something like January 1st to the end of the season for someone like Jalen Williams. What are his numbers in that? Let's get that. Let's pull up that number while we're talking about it. Uh, <laughs> he was actually number 24 over that rank. 16 points, 5 boards, 4 assists. Two steals and half a block on 52.5% from the field and 84% of the free throw line. So you kind of have this two sides of the same coin thing, which is, okay, look, he's not number 75 because that was a full season, which included a solid month and a half, two months, where he wasn't really a focal point until, remember, when Pokashevsky and Jeremiah Robinson Earl went down, that was kind of when Jalen Williams moved himself into a more prominent role. But is this the future 12 shots a game crazy high efficiency world beater steals numbers is that what he can be you know can he be a top 30 can he basically be a quiet version of mikhail bridges because that's what he was the second half of the season will he get drafted at 30 based on where he finished up the year or will he get drafted back in the 75 range where his whole season finished, or is it going to be somewhere in between? Now, if the answer ends up being somewhere in between, that's where you have to kind of split hairs a little bit. Because if he gets, if he starts getting drafted near 30, that's a too rich for my blood kind of thing. Now, he may exceed that. He might just hang out in that 25 to 30 range the entire season. That's very possible. Uh, but it leaves almost no wiggle room for him to drop off. If he gets drafted back near 75, where he finished up this last year, I think there's a lot of reasons to to take the grab, but if it's in between, it's going to matter where. You know, if he's going at 40, eh, I don't know. There's some guys in there with, I would say, proven upside. If he's going at 50 to 60 range, then you really are talking about, like, the next iteration of Mikhail. I mean, look at the numbers here. He's bridges with fewer three-pointers and more assists that's like and and before Mikhail moved to Brooklyn and started taking a crap ton of shots. Like if you look at the Mikhail Bridges games, if you look at his Phoenix numbers, take Mikhail Bridges Phoenix from I don't know, 2 years ago. He was number 44 per game, 13 and a half points, 1.9 threes, 4 and a half boards, 2 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.9 blocks, 54 and 84 and very few turnovers. Jalen Williams post All-Star break, 16, 5, and 4. Two steals, half a block, so slightly more steals, fewer blocks. 1, 3, 52 and a half, 84. Same damn free throw percent, by the way. Low turnovers, also. Slightly more than Mikhail, but still relatively low. You can go to Mikhail Bridges last year, 14, 4, and 2. 1.2 and 0.4 on the defensive stats, 53 and 83. 
So I don't know where these guys are going to go. Uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges, now that he's taking a ton of shots, one would assume he gets drafted a whole hell of a lot earlier. But Jalen Williams, we do need to know where he gets drafted. What's the ADP going to be on him? Is it going to be 30, 40, 50, or 60? Probably not later than that. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he goes later than that. I'd be surprised, but you never know. But he has that sort of durable body frame, stocky, not a high flyer, efficient, does pass a bit. There's a ton to like there as new McHale if Bridges becomes too rich for your blood. Now, what about the other side of this thing? Second half of this season, Josh Giddy was number 97, 18, 8, and 7. Pretty cool numbers there. A little under a steal, not many blocks. He actually shot 49% from the field with a three-pointer. Bad free throw number at 71. Pretty high turnovers at 2.5 because, you know, balls in his hand a decent amount. Every year we see this same kind of thing from Giddy. A little bit of a slow start, a better finish, but the aggregate of all of that is someone who's much much better in points leagues and eight category leagues than nine cat so likely to be at least for nine cat overdrafted eight cat maybe not points league maybe not nine cat probably a little bit overdrafted just because eight cat and points league stuff is going to push him up the board that's where he is that's where he excels you know, he's a negative in free throws, he's a negative in turnovers, he's a neutral in field goal percent. If you wipe out those three categories, if you wipe out just turnovers, his value goes up. If you wipe out all three, his value goes up even more. His positives this year were in scoring, rebounding, and assists. Three of the remaining categories. And then you don't expect many blocks from your point guard, so people can discount that. And, and three-pointer is, you know, big meh. You can get him somewhere else. So steals is really the only spot where you're... If you're in a point or a, a, a punt build, I should say, or an eight cat, where he doesn't deserve a good strong look. Now, nine cat roto, that's the where we sort of start our order, our base of operations here. He is less of an intriguing play. And then we get to Chet Holmgren. Everybody remembers his college numbers. You know, there's. Ooh, boy. Uh, you know, the blocks per game upside. He's still a little bit of a string bean, but he blocked almost four shots a game at Gonzaga two seasons back. 3.7 blocks in 27 minutes per game. Now, you know, that type of number doesn't typically translate directly over to the NBA. Also because... Nobody really blocks four shots per game in the NBA. And then take take someone like a like Walker Kessler, who blocked four point six shots per game at Auburn in twenty six minutes per game, and then came flopping over to the NBA. And once he got reasonable playing time, he did put up really big block numbers. You know, it was like two and a half in about that same number of minutes per ball game. But also, Walker Kessler is a lot heavier than Chet Holmgren. And that certainly helps his cause. Kessler, I think Kessler had Holmgren by about 40 pounds last time these two guys weighed in. That's a huge difference maker for staying in the mix, not getting knocked around under the basket and not getting in a ton of foul trouble and just getting eaten alive over the course of a season. Now, 
it's probably been a good thing for Holmgren that he's had a year to kind of get himself NBA body, NBA game shape, that sort of thing. You know he's put on some weight. We're going to have a Chet Holmgren muscle watch at some point during this offseason. It goes without saying. Two to two and a half blocks per game is very much in play. And so then you look at some of the other stuff that he's done. Well, he shot 61% at Gonzaga. Almost the exact same number as Kessler. Difference, of course, Walker Kessler, uh, not an outside shooter. And Holmgren can pop the three. He shot 39% actually from downtown that year. Neither one of these guys is a prolific foul shooter. Holmgren a little bit better. He's at 72%. All of that to say... Yes, there's going to be some kind of drop-off coming to the NBA, but if his body can hold up, Holmgren has one of the most fantasy-translatable stat sets of basically any type of player. He's a big man with a good field goal percent that can hit a three-pointer that isn't horrible, isn't good, but isn't horrible at the free-throw line, blocks a crap ton of shots, rebounds relatively well. He was at 10 boards per game that year, which, by the way, Think about how Walker Kessler rebounded with Utah this season. He averaged 11-8 and eight with those 4.6 blocks at Auburn. Now, I get it. Different schools, different offenses, different programs, whatever. But Holmgren was at 14-10, and 10, and these guys basically played the same number of minutes. I think Chet had him by about one per game in college. So if Holmgren can, can his body can hold up, he has a very real chance to post a double-double and two-and-a-half-plus blocks per game and a not-tanking-type free-throw number and half a three to a three-pointer per game because we know Oklahoma City wants to spread it out. It's weird to think because mock drafts had Holmgren going in the second, third, fourth round this last year before he got hurt. But because of the injury... I can't help but wonder if he moves down the board a little bit. Extremely curious to find out where he ends up. And he might just be the the player, the fantasy, because he'll technically be a rookie because he didn't play in any games this season. He might just be the rookie where we break all of the Dan Bespris old man rules and take the plunge. Like, they're just, there aren't, because his stat set is so easy to translate, the only issue there is can he hold up over a full season? Meaning personal fouls, just getting beat up, missed games here and there. That's where someone like, well, maybe you spend that same capital on Walker Kessler a round or two later, and maybe that's a better value, as we talked about when we did our Utah recap. Um, but Holmgren is extraordinarily interesting, even for someone like me who is typically petrified of young dudes coming into the NBA. But remember, the one thing we said, with one area we were going to soften our stance, young big men who are not terrible at the free throw line and block shots. That's your guy right there. And I think it would be fun. But we got to find out ADP. I want to I don't want to know the initial ADP on Chet Holmgren. I want to know the initial ADP on Jalen Williams. I think there's a chance that those guys more so probably Williams than Holmgren, at least in terms of like, because Chet still has this super fun name and the big time college stats and, and the high draft pick. Does the injury derail his fantasy appeal at all? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe people are afraid that it's going to be something that lingers, which it could is a reasonable fear. But Jalen Williams, he really feels like 
sort of this next... We had Mikhail Bridges doing Mikhail Bridges stuff for like three or four seasons in Phoenix before everybody caught on, only because he got traded and took a ton of shots. How how long do we think that can last for Jalen Williams? I think the Thunder could be a really fun team next year from a fantasy standpoint. Whereas with this season, I don't know that you could call them a super fun fantasy team because it was really like Shea and then partway through the year, Jalen Williams got interesting and then Josh Giddy was kind of on and off of being fantasy useful depending on the month. Averaged out to barely 12-team all season long for 9-cat. But yeah, I mean, you know, right side of the cut line. But if Giddy gets a tiny bit more... It's going to have to improve his free throw number. That's got to be the spot. But you got Shea, you got Jalen, you got Holmgren. There's going to be a number of things to enjoy about that club next season. Really going to be an easy team to root for as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, Enjoy your Memorial Day. Still don't know if we're going to have a show out on that Monday. That might be the streak breaker. Just a warning. Just letting you know in case nothing comes out. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. Uh, I am going out of town. And we're leaving the kids with the grandparents. So goodbye, everybody. (laughs) I might show up again at some point. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Seven weeks of offseason in the books. We'll see you at the end of May here when we come on back on the other side of the long weekend. Uh, At Dan Vespers on Twitter if you want to hit me up. Manscaped again. Big thank you to Manscaped. Promo code over there is Ethos20. Go check out the new Beard Hedger at Manscaped.com. SportsEthos.com if you want to check out all of these sweet season recaps The Oklahoma City one was by, let's make sure I get the right author on that. That was from uh, Keston. Keston, awesome, awesome writer for us here at Sports Ethos. Great job by Keston. Okay, for real this time, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Uh, Enjoy the barbecue if that's what you're doing on it. Thank you to those who have given the sacrifice on that Memorial Day, since I I don't know if I will be able to... uh, put that message out there on Monday. Again, I'm Dan Vespers. We'll see you guys next week. So long for now.